Well, good morning, friends. It is great to be with you. Happy Father's Day to you. My name is Ethan Magnus. I am one of the pastors here. Uh, and as you saw, we had a great week at uh, VBS. I already saw one of the kids this morning. They asked me if we were going to do, hi, my name is Joe, this morning. I think not, but maybe some future Sunday we will. It is one of my favorite songs. So uh, uh, listen, we are super glad you are here. We're kicking off a brand new uh, series uh, this week. Uh, it's called summer playlist summer playlist you know that the the, the, the the list of songs that sort of means summer to you I distinctly remember uh, my first electronics purchase it was a uh, a small two deck boom box two deck for those of you too young to know that means two tape decks and what that allowed you to do was it allowed you to record from one tape deck to the other. Uh, and, and so you could do lots of things with that. One, you could take the, the tapes you purchase and you would record them onto, you know, higher quality tapes. Because as you know, if you listen to that purchase tape over and over and over again, eventually it stretches out, you know, so you do that. And, but the other thing you could do is you could take your favorite music and you could make a, a mixtape, right? You remember doing this, right? Choosing the songs very, very carefully. You know, I, I, I felt like for most of my uh, childhood, I didn't buy a greatest hits album, right? I would make my own greatest hits album, right? By picking what were my greatest hits. And I did, if I didn't own a song, uh, I would um, I'd re record it off the radio. Do you remember doing this, right? In fact, I feel like half the music I listened to as a kid, the first three seconds of the song were missing because that's when I would know to press the record button. And so I would just have the rest of the song. I wouldn't have uh, the very beginning of the song. And then, and then of course, in the summer of, I think, 1989, I, for the first time, made a mixtape and gave it to a girl. Oh my goodness, you know, all, all the worst, I mean, and listen, and romantic songs from the 1980s were bad. Oh my goodness, it was bad stuff. But anyways, I made this mixtape and gave it, I was at the height, uh, that was really my height of, uh, that's the, the, mo the most caught up I've ever been in audio technology was in my head, my dual deck boom box with high speed dubbing so you could record a you could record an hour-long cassette in just 12 minutes i remember i was so impressed with that uh, music is just, is just part of how we communicate the human experience you know even even people who aren't really music people like music uh, music is is so important to how we understand ourselves have you ever done that have you ever listened to a, a, a song maybe and all of a sudden you understood yourself better or you had some window to the human experience opened up to you uh, whenever I'm feeling tired and my kids want to do something and hang out and I'm tempted to say no my wife does this thing she hums this song, see if you maybe know, know the, the song she hums whenever I'm feeling too lazy to play with my kids. She'll say, cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy. You know, remember this sad song? When you're coming home, dad, I don't know when we'll get together. It's the worst song ever. It's like the anti-Father's Day song about this dad who never has time for his kids and then the kids never have time for their dad. I'm just going to cry. But, but, but songs do that, right? They, they kind of expose the human experience in a way that maybe wouldn't have otherwise happened. 
Uh, you know the other thing that songs help me do, um, and, and maybe you too, and I think this is what I was trying to do with that little cassette there in the summer of 89, uh, songs help us say things that we wouldn't otherwise know how to say. Some of you done this. Any, anybody here ever sung a song to somebody or given or played a song for somebody in order to say something they didn't have the guts to say otherwise? Anybody here? Anybody ever used a song to say something Steve Hill has? Okay, somebody in the back has too. Okay. All right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I remember I, I once um, for Betsy, and it, she totally missed it, totally missed it. I thought I was being so subtle, and she didn't even notice. I guess I was being too subtle. But uh, I once played that song. I don't know who originally wrote it, but I think I know it from Jim Croce. But, the, uh, you know, um, every time I tried to tell you, the words just came out wrong. So I have to say I love you in a song. We were, we were going out, and I played this song for like, a, she's going to know this. Like, this is going to totally work. She totally didn't even miss it. She's like, I don't even know that song. What's that song? Can you turn to something else? <laughs> All right, anyways, okay. So, um, but the right song, the right song can set the mood. It can save the party. You all have done this too. Like you've been, you've been to like a wedding where they're trying to get people to dance and nobody's dancing. Like nobody's doing anything. And all of a sudden they play that uh, like either wonderful tonight, you know, and everybody dances. They'll play that conga song and everybody's dancing. All of a sudden, you know, the right song. And, and here's the thing. The Bible has a songbook in it. Uh, some, maybe you didn't know this, but, but the Bible has a songbook in it. It's the book of Psalms. It's right there smack in the middle of your Bible, and our Psalms work just like all those songs do. We're going to see this all summer long. We're going to be looking at the book of Psalms, and what you're going to discover is that Psalms do just what songs do. They, they help us to understand ourselves. Some Psalms, you'll read it and you'll understand yourself better, or you'll understand just human, the human condition in general better. Uh, some of the Psalms help us understand God. They help us know who God is and what kind of God is. Uh, one of the most important things that Psalms do, and we'll look at a couple in a couple weeks that are especially important for this, the Psalms teach us how to talk to God. You may be amazed this summer as we look through the book of Psalms to discover that, did you know when you're angry with God, you can tell God that? The reason I know that true is because we have Psalms that will teach us how to be angry with God. And when you're grateful to God, you can tell God that. And when you want to praise God, you can tell God that. And when you're afraid, you can tell God that. And the book of Psalms teaches us how to talk to God. This summer, the next eight weeks, we're just going to look at a different psalm every week. Uh, if you're looking for something for a devotional practice that might be really helpful for you uh, this summer, I'd recommend two, two choices you could pick. One, you could just, whatever psalm we talk about each week, you could just every day that week read it. You know, that's what you do with a song you really like, right? You don't listen to it once. You listen to it over and over and over again, and every time you listen to it, it gets in your gizzard just a little bit more. Well, maybe you'd want to listen, you'd do that with one of these psalms. Just whatever psalm we do each week, uh, you just read it every over. Or another thing, if that's not your cup of tea, great, okay. If you want a little more variety to your summer playlist, okay. Maybe you could just start today, just read one psalm a day. Uh, you'd finish it by the, you'd finish the whole book by the end of the year. Just read one psalm a day and just let God teach you how to sing uh, to God. 
Uh, our summer playlist, though, is going to start off, as all good playlists should, with one of the greatest hits of the Psalms, one of the classics. It's one of my favorites. Perhaps it's one of yours. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The 23rd Psalm is probably the best-known psalm. Uh, it's certainly in the running for the best-known part of the Bible altogether. Maybe John 3.16 is better known, but there aren't many better known than the 23rd Psalm. Uh, some of you might have memorized the 23rd Psalm as a kid. I did, not in that translation, but I did memorize it as a kid. Or maybe you've heard the 23rd Psalm at a funeral. Uh, maybe you've even heard it in a song. Uh, you know, one of my favorite arrangements, you know that one? The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He maketh me down to lie. It gets higher from there, so I'll stop singing now. But anyways, um, uh, I love, I love, uh, I love that arrangement of... Uh, the 23rd Psalm. Uh, the, the structure of the 23rd Psalm is super, super simple, uh, but I didn't notice it until somebody pointed it out to me. It's very interesting. The first half of the 23rd Psalm is about God. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down, all that. The second half of the 23rd Psalm is to God. Even though I walk, you are with me, your rod. The, the second half of the 23rd Psalm is more personal. We get a sense of, of the moment that the psalmist is going through when he turns from talking about God to talking to God. And today, I just want to do something super simple with the 23rd Psalm. Every one of these sermons this summer is going to be pretty different. We're going to, we're going to react to the Psalms very, very differently. Some will kind of analyze and some will kind of explain. I want to just do something really, really simple um, today. I'm just want to, I just want to go back through the Psalm one verse at a time and just kind of notice a few things with you. It's stuff that you could notice on your own mostly if you took the time. There's only one or two things that I got from a commentary. Mostly it's stuff you could notice. So we'll just notice it together 
And then for each one of these phrases, I just want to give you a question. And maybe if you do that thing I suggested where every day this week you're going to read this psalm as a prayer, maybe you could talk about these questions to God. If you're the kind of person who takes notes, maybe you could write the questions down. And then later, when you and God are talking, you and God could talk about these questions. The psalm starts, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We told you that the psalms would sometimes tell us about God. And here it is, telling us about God. But isn't it interesting, it also tells us a little bit about ourselves, doesn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I think that makes me a sheep, right? That's where this psalm starts. I'm a sheep, and God is a shepherd. I was reflecting on that the text this week and just was struck by how utterly above and beyond the sheep a shepherd is. The shepherd is beyond the sheep in wisdom and beyond the sheep in power and beyond the sheep in love and beyond the sheep in compassion. Every little bit of what the sheep lacks in power, in wisdom, in love, the shepherd has. Right there in the first sentence, we are reminded how utterly above us God is. One uh, commentator I read suggested this could be translated, because the Lord is my shepherd. I know I have all that I need. Somehow that confronted me this week. I was a little struck in my own spiritual life by my own lack of contentment. My unwillingness to say that I believe the shepherd has given me what I need. And I was just reminded by this text how important it is that we learn to trust the shepherd will give us what we need. So the question I might ask you, maybe you and God could work on this question together, that this first verse brought to my mind, is are you, in your posture toward God, honest about your status as a sheep? and God's status as a shepherd? Or are you sort of busy trying to be the shepherd? Busy trying to be in charge? Busy trying to take care of everything and everyone, including yourself? Are you honest that you're a sheep? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God desires 
for you to be made whole. God loves you. God wants to restore you and care for you. Do not despair. Do not give up. Do not lose heart. If you are weary, your God leads you to rest. If you are thirsty, your God leads you to water. If you are weakened in spirit, your God longs to restore your soul. Maybe while you're talking to God, maybe you just need to tell God where you are hurting. Have you just told God the full truth about your pain and your weakness? Or even with God, do you pretend that you're fine? Everything's fine. Even with God, do you pretend that you are not in pain? The shepherd longs to heal you. question I would just ask is where do I need rest? Maybe you could talk to God about that. Where do I need rest? Where do I need to be restored? Where do I need to drink? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The single most important, the most consequential decision that a sheep makes is whether to follow the shepherd or go their own way. Everything else in a sheep's life flows from that decision. Do they follow the shepherd? If they follow the shepherd, they will find food and shelter and water and defense against enemies. If they go their own way, they'll find ruin and destruction. That's it. The most important decision a sheep makes is whether to follow the shepherd or go their own way. And if we're sheep, which is what the first verse taught us, the same is true of our lives. The most important spiritual decision that you will make, the most important life decision you will make, the most important financial decision you will make, the most important parenting decision you will make, the most important professional decision you will make is whether you will follow the shepherd or go your own way. The second most important decision you make is whose glory will you seek? Will you seek your glory? or seek the shepherd's glory. This tells us he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for God's glory. So if you and God were going to talk about a question rooted in this verse, maybe you would ask God this. Maybe just tell God the answer to this question. Whose path are you following? And for whose glory are you living? For whose name are you trying 
to live. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We turn to the second section of the 23rd Psalm and things start to get personal. The psalmist here is no longer talking about God. True enough, things. And now talking about their own experience and God's personal presence with them. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. I think the place to start with this verse is with the rod and the staff. Um, You could go read this lots of places, but I'll tell you so you won't have to. The rod and the staff are two slightly different tools that the shepherd would use. The rod was sort of a small club. The The rod was a weapon to defend against predators and enemies to drive away those who would seek to devour and destroy the flock. The staff was what we think of as the shepherd's crook. It was the long pole with the hook on the end. It was the much more commonly used of the two tools. The staff also brought protection to the sheep, but not because it drove off enemies. The staff brought protection because it corrected, caught, and recaptured wayward sheep. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Isn't it interesting? God comforts us by protecting us against our enemies, That's the rod. And God comforts us by protecting us from ourselves. That is the staff. Where do you need God's protection today? I expect we're always ready to ask God to use the rod to strike our enemies and defend us against the foe. But I wonder... Are you ready to invite God to protect you with God's staff? To hook you by the neck and pull you back where you need to go? That's a harder invitation to make, isn't it? This week, as you're talking to God, maybe you could just pray this prayer. God, protect me from my enemies. God, protect me from myself. Maybe you just need, this might be the week, you just need to ask God, God, please use your staff to guide me away from my own foolishness, which will destroy me if I'm not careful.
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is the hardest line in the psalm for me. Don't you wish the psalmist said, you drive away my enemies? Or you take me away from my enemies? Or you eliminate my enemies? Or my enemies are nowhere to be found? Don't you wish the psalmist said that? But no. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God's goodness often manifests itself as the blessing of God in the middle of our struggle. In the middle of the presence of our enemies. I remember one of the first times I caught a glimpse of understanding this verse. Betsy and I were engaged, and we were spending time with my grandmother, Gail. We were working on a quilt. She was pretty sick. Uh, We didn't know it at the time, but this was about maybe six weeks, maybe two months before she'd pass away. Um... She was lying in bed. She was giving us advice and counsel as we were piecing the quilt together. Her hands quite, couldn't quite push the needle through anymore. We were laughing. It was a great day. But she was also feeling pretty sick. And just in the middle of it, she said, out of the blue, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows. She knew that the goodness of God sometimes manifests itself in driving away our enemies. But sometimes the goodness of God manifests itself as a feast in the presence of our enemies. Maybe you need to ask God to open your eyes to the way He is blessing your life, even in the midst of struggle. If all you can see is that God hasn't removed the struggle, maybe you need to ask God, God, where is the table You're preparing for me, even in the presence of my enemies? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If the last verse was my least favorite verse, this is my favorite verse. I was doing some reading. That word follow, uh, most of the time when it's used in Scripture, it's translated pursue or chase. This is not to follow like a puppy follows. This is to follow like a wolf follows. The grace of God is hunting 
you down. You need to know that today. You are not just being followed by God's goodness and mercy. You are being chased by God's goodness and mercy. The mercy of God is after you, longing to forgive you, longing to redeem you, longing to reconcile you back to God. And God's plan for you, don't you see? God's plan for you is eternal. Sometimes we get confused and we act like all the eternity stuff. That's all New Testament stuff. No, it's not New Testament stuff. It's from the very beginning. God has had an eternal vision for God's relationship with you. God wants you to live with Him forever. If there were a question that I would urge you to wrestle with this week based off that verse, it might just be this. Where do you need to let the mercy of God catch you? I mean, you are being pursued by the mercy of God. What is the thing for which you just need to repent and be forgiven and let the mercy of God just catch up to you so that you can prepare to live in the house of the Lord forever? Let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.